0: Welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, the, um, what am I? I am a stripper, I am a digital content creator, and I'm also a favorite, former sugar baby, pardon me, it's been like a little bit since i recorded, plus I have morning voice right now, so there's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things in my mind. But thank you so much for joining me. Happy New Year. This is this episode's coming out in the New Year and this is the start of a season of 4. So I am really really just so excited to embark on another season of Having some really amazing guests on the show and to talk and tackle some really hard topics when it comes to sex work. And as you may or may not know, if you are a new listener, this podcast is all about different facets of the sex work industry and with an aim to educate and also destigmatize the work that we do. So every week I bring on a new guest every single Sunday and we chat about a different corner of sex work, whether it's like the back end of things, or maybe somewhere in the porn industry, or or camming, or stripping, or whatnot. Today, we're talking about labor rights when it comes to stripping, Um, talking about independent contracting versus employee status, especially in the American context. And we will get into that in just a little bit. Uh, But I want to introduce our guest, who's actually returning. And I am just so excited to bring her back onto the show. We have Reese Piper joining me today on the show. Reese, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? I am so good. And as you said, I'm, I'm like waking up and just wrapping my head around the topic and just really excited to bring you back onto the show to chat all things stripper labor rights today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me
0: you so- back. yeah yeah because the last time you were on um Reese was on during the last season so season three and she was featured on episode 73 which is all about uh sex work on the spectrum in terms of like autism we were talking about um Sisaya and how that might destroy the porn industry and it was a really really fascinating conversation uh Reese is a fabulous writer also um stripper as well and sex worker in our community I think you're based in Brooklyn on these days? Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's really, really cool to have you on. I'm so happy to connect with you and and glad that we were able to stay in touch and I can't wait to chat about a brand new topic today with you.
1: Yeah, I'm thrilled. Thank you again for having me. Um, I'm happy to, I'm really excited (laughs) to talk about this. I feel like it often doesn't get enough coverage.
0: Totally, absolutely. Like Before we dive into the topic, um, did you want to tell the audience who you are and uh, what it is that you do, like, in your own terms?
1: Yeah. So I um, – well, I'm a Reese, and I'm a writer at the moment. Like, I've been working on a memoir for the last two years. Um, I, For most of my 20s, I was a stripper and, like, an occasional full-service worker. Um, and now I just kind of dabble in it just because most of my energy is going towards my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I also do a bit of journalism, which today is, like – talking about labor rights is kind of a product of journalism. But yeah, that's
0: so, so, so exciting. And like, you're so articulate and just a wealth of reason, like a wealth of knowledge, like such a great resource. So I'm excited to pick your brain on the topics today. And it's been a little while since we've talked about a topic like this. So I did cover um, some brief of like stripper labor rights in terms of like what's happening in Canada and what's happening um in regards to a friend of mine, Onyx Satchy, on episode fifty five, which is back in like season two or something, and really briefly on what was happening in LA with um with strippers and what was happening with a decision that was made there with Jordan Kensley. So if you wanted to use those episodes or listen to them after they are related. So, um, but it's been like, as I said, quite a few episodes that was like 50 episodes ago. So <laughs> it's about time that we talk about this again. And it's something that's really, really important. Um, before we get started into that, I just want to acknowledge that today, the day of recording, although this is being <laughs> released in January, cause I'm going on holidays tomorrow. Um, Today is the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. It's December 17, and this is recognized every single year. This was originally in memoriam of the victims of the Green River Killer in Seattle, and was created, I think, back in like 2003 um, by the Sex Worker Outreach Project. And now it's a worldwide thing, which I think is really, really great because, um, and we will talk about deaths of uh, sex workers, especially in regards to strip clubs later on in the episode. So it is related. So uh, I think it's really um, important to acknowledge um, people in our community that have passed away, that have been murdered and talked um, and targeted and stalked um, in our community. Cause it's something that happens um, more often than we know. So I just wanted to kind of bring awareness to that and, Read a quick little quote here that um, uh, Dr. Annie Sprinkle, one of the founders of um, SWAT, um, was quoted here saying, violent crimes against sex workers go underreported, unaddressed and unpunished. There really are people who don't care, and prostitutes are victims of hate crimes, beaten, raped, and murdered. No matter what you think about sex workers and the politics surrounding them, sex workers are part of our neighborhoods, communities, and families. So I just want to leave everyone with um, that to think about, and I'll also plug some links in the show notes to acknowledge that as well if you want to read up more on uh that so why don't we go into the topic uh reese uh, or unless you had something to say about that <laughs> i know we're going to talk a little bit about that later but um yeah
1: yeah i mean today is such an important day and i'm glad that it's like becoming a national sort of a worldwide thing that to mm-hmm. recognize like the violence um again you know the pure violence that sex workers face and you know i think today too um there's like what we can go into is really kind of all different types of violence that are committed. And sometimes it isn't just physical, it's like neglect and, Mm -hmm. I'm happy that we're discussing labor rights today on this day, too, because they go hand in hand.
0: Oh, yeah, they definitely, definitely go hand in hand. And yeah, like we have a big, big topic today. Uh, You have so graciously written out so many amazing points, and I really hope that we can tackle uh, and talk about and dedicate this whole hour to. So I want to ask you um, where your um, curiosity and your passion in terms of like, uh, the topic of stripper labor rights, like where did that originate from?
1: Yeah. So about two years into my dancing career, I've been working in New York at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got word, it was around Christmas time that a dancer, um, in a club that I had worked at in Melbourne, Australia had died in the champagne room. Oh. Um, and it came as like really quite a shock to me because, you know, in the beginning when you're just a new dancer, like everything is all fun, glitz and glam. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I, yeah, it, it kind of caught me really off guard and I became kind of really, um, I followed the case really closely from there. And what I learned was just that she got sick from a combination of, um, drugs and like personal sickness. She had a heart problem. Oh. Um, and that she passed out in the champagne room and instead of the management getting her help, um, she was just left there to sleep it off and she passed. Mm-hmm. And um, the, like the pure neglect of that situation was like so shocking to me and so scary because I like too sometimes do drugs in the champagne room and I have my own health conditions that I kind of began really looking into mm-hmm. like what is going on in strip clubs, like what are like labor violations and why was this kind of allowed to happen? And does this also happen elsewhere? And of course, because I was based in the States at the time, that's where most of my focus was at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and to kind of my dis- my surprise when I started researching this was that I thought that this was simply like a case of discrimination against sex workers, like sex workers not being treated as human Mm-hmm. But really like this battle is a lot really similar to other gig economy workers, like Uber drivers and pipeline welders. And this is the battle over whether like we're independent contractors or employees mm-hmm. um, and what kind of rights we have in our workplace. Great.
0: Right. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Like um, in my vanilla life, I, I, was also battling something like this as well that I actually like went to the um, employment board here in Vancouver um, in my province. And uh, basically in this particular contract, I was also like mislabeled as a contractor, but then everything else around the contract pretty much looked and pointed at employee status. And I was like, this is Troubling and I feel like this person and this employer was trying to like skirt around the law. <laughs> and okay. like I was at a disadvantage, a huge disadvantage. So this is something that happens, yeah, it's like to so many workers, not just sex workers, but like so many um people in the world, um, with various, like, as you said, like giggy type jobs and affects so many people. So I'm glad that we're gonna be speaking about this um in the sex worker context, because this totally affects us.
1: <laughs> and often like this sort of debate is like, we talk about Uber drivers and Grubhub drivers or um, like food delivery services, but mm-hmm. really we, like, strippers are the original gig economy workers. Oh, yeah. and, like we often don't get that kind of um, acknowledgement and also there isn't sometimes as much of an acknowledgement of of what is actually going on. Like what happened with my friend and this connection between um, what happened with the girl in the club. She wasn't my friend, but Mm -hmm. um, what happened between what happens when we don't have labor rights and what are the consequences of that?
0: Right. Right. We're definitely going to go into all of those details later, but I kind of want to like, before we really dive into things, I think it's important to understand. And for those who are listening, maybe we don't really know what independent contractors are or we don't really know what is deemed as an employee status. Did you want to go ahead and define that for the audience?
1: Yeah. So sure. So a contractor is someone who like operates as an independent business. You know, they Mm -hmm. provide services. They may provide services for multiple clients, They have control over what they charge, the hours they work, and the general gist of their business. And so, for example, when I write, I write for different publications. I negotiate pay, deadlines, and the content I'll cover with editors. But generally, I write at my own place. I write in my own home. I don't go into a place to work. Mm -hmm. Um, The publication has very little control over how I conduct my business. And I'm not really associated with the business, like the publication at all. They can't stop me from writing for other publications Mm -hmm. and... They generally really just don't have a say in how I go through my Mm -hmm. day-to-day. And this classifies me as like a contractor. Right. Um, And so in exchange, I have to pay my own taxes. I'm not entitled to employment benefits or workers' compensation. Um, if I'm hurt, like while I'm doing the job, I can't unionize, nor am I protected by like anti-discrimination or sexual harassment laws. Meaning all this together is that I have no job security. Yes. They, yeah, they can stop contracting me at any point And, but in general, I have the freedom to go about my business as I, as I want.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think that's a really important note to to kind of highlight there is that you have this freedom mm-hmm. as an independent contractor. And um, as we go into the definition of employee status, you'll see that there are certain parameters that are outlined there, which would deem you as, okay, you are part of this um, company or part of this organization. So did you want to go into a little bit um, kind of more in terms of like, what employee status would be deemed as?
1: Yeah. So like on the other hand, employee is someone who like regularly works for one company, um, you know, they have a boss, they might have a boss who dictates t- the hours they work, mm-hmm. how much they can charge for services, whether or not they can take time off, whether they can leave work early, they can mandate a uniform or, and they can bar them from working for other competing companies. Um, yeah. I, in exchange for this the company withholds taxes for them they can receive benefits if they get covid on the job they can you know apply for unemployment they can unionize they can receive compensation if they slip and fall on the job they generally and they're protected by anti-discrimination mm-hmm. and harassment laws so less control more protection and the i there are as the gig economy becomes bigger there is sometimes a bit of a confusion over whether you are an employee or a contractor as like sort of on-demand jobs become more of a thing. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's to do with control. Like if the management that you're working for has any kind of control over how you do your business, you generally are an employee. So yeah, like when it comes to strippers um, and while strippers do sometimes have more control than say like a Walmart employee, like, yeah. you know, it, it, it can vary from club to club in general, the majority of clubs control what time dancers come in. They, when they can leave, a lot of times they mandate that you wear a long gown or maybe you wear a bikini. Um, They tell you have to be on stage, how much time you have to spend on stage. And oftentimes they control what you can charge. Right. Um, And so this all points to like, that you are indeed an employee. Yeah. Like there's, there's really no, circumstances unless you're like a traveling burlesque person who like goes from club to club are you really ever a contractor
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you make great points there and um factual points actually so (laughs) 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 like I feel like why why do you think that this must misclassification happens so often and are we ever given a choice
1: yeah I think (sighs) I mean, a it's just cheaper for them, of yeah, course. Like totally. You, you know, they don't have to do payroll tax, social security, Medicare. They don't have to pay out for workers' compensation. They don't have to. They don't have to make sure that the place is really safe. They they don't have to care about their workers. And also, when it comes to dancers, um, this also means that they can trick dancers into paying um, house fee because their mm-hmm. justification is that like. Well, we're providing a space that you're renting out, and you have to pay for that kind of like a hairdresser,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so,
1: not only do they not have to do all the things that employers should be doing, like providing a safe space, withholding taxes, they also can use dancers as revenue at this point. Like they become part of the business, right? As well. Um, yeah and so i would say that it's really great for their bottom line
0: mm-hmm, absolutely like you mentioned um like loss of wages is, is a huge thing for dancers i know like um when i had my friend onyx on back in episode 55 i mentioned earlier she was speaking about this and she was i remember like <laughs> it was pretty nuts she went on her stories and was like hey like you know, look at all these, like, fees and these deductions. Like, I didn't drink this drink. Like, like where? why are all these being cut out of my paycheck? Yeah, yeah. You know, and just her qu- beginning to question yeah. things and, like, what this landscape looked like for her. So, um, and, and as dancers, we have a lot to tip out on and, and various people from the club that we have to like pay, like either the mm-hmm. bartender or the DJ, um, you know, and depending on like what time you come in on, at at night, I mean, this is not so much in the Canadian context. Um, but <laughs> house fees can be pretty alarming <laughs> mm-hmm. depending on how late you go. And I'm just like, that isn't really a thing here, at least not in my experience here in the West coast of Canada, but it can be pretty alarming. <laughs>
1: Yeah, in New York, tough. I mean, an average night between house fee and the taxi could cost me like three hundred dollars to work. And crazy. So, like, what this like situation allows for, like, being misclassified as contractors, like, allows just them to this endless like they have. There's no um, checks and balances on how much they are exploiting you, so they can just keep charging house fees. They can right. make you pay out. You, in many cases, you're paying the salaries of the DJ and Mm -hmm. maybe the doormen who are sometimes like paid like maybe a minimum wage but you're also supplying them with like extra wages um and i guess people that don't know we also sometimes have to not only pay a house fee but tip out yeah so yeah um and all of this is illegal because we're employees and we should not be um even paying to work like we should be be getting a minimum wage and um, we shouldn't also be tipping out. It's, it's possible that you could be tipping out the waitress, but we shouldn't be like paying the DJ. Yeah. Like that is not um, in our job. description.
0: No. no, it's not. It's really not. I mean, and, and you mentioned something earlier too. Um, you mentioned like even just basic safety and like try and um, employers trying to, or there's, they should be guaranteeing a safe working environment, that mm-hmm. isn't really covered
1: yeah and I think that's actually one of the more important things that because like not all dancers are really fussed about a minimum wage because you know sometimes they make a while what people make really varies like some girls mm-hmm. some dancers some women can make like a hundred dollars a nine of some can make a thousand so yeah it's hard to sort of put like a um you know, it doesn't matter about the wage. It's hard to say that. But yeah. a lot of dancers are not, they're not concerned too much with wages. But one of the big concerns for me, again, is this like safe workplace. And mm-hmm. um, if it, they don't have to pay out workers' compensation and if something happens to a dancer on the job and they're not responsible, so like what kind of environment does that lead to? And, right. you know, dancing is involves dancing on slippery poles and heels yeah. requires working very late hours into the night that, mm-hmm. and it's our job to curate a party atmosphere and that can often involve heavy drinking and drugs. Of course, not every dancers do that, but mm-hmm. you know, it is the sex industry. Yeah. So, um, and it often attracts marginalized workers who might either have a disability, mental illness, like trauma. And altogether, I think this can be quite a lethal combination. Um, you know, after that happened with the girl, the woman in the club, I started looking into other dancer deaths and like how common
0: that was means. this. Was this
1: a thing? Was this a rarity? Yeah. Like, and I really went down a rabbit hole of um, sort of information and I found that it's not uncommon. And of course there are many clubs in this country that would refute, that would never let a dancer die on their watch, that would make sure that their dancers are like, would never let a dancer drive home extremely drunk or you know they they maintain a safe workspace but you know from what like i started interviewing people and asking people questions and from what i found was that like a lot of people told very similar stories that you know some got sick and were refused care they maybe drank too much or took drugs and they needed emergency assistance and many were told to just sleep it off in the dressing room oh wow um you know a lot there's no protection there's no guarantee of protection no. um, from assault so like because the club doesn't need to maintain maintain a workspace it's not really in there they don't need to have cameras in the room because right. if something happens to you it's not their fault
0: right yeah they don't really care about that kind of stuff and something that happened recently um in Vancouver and um, there was a reddit post that I snapshotted That was in the sex worker community uh, subreddit. And this person documented that – or said that she was followed home after – well, not home, but like she was followed outside the club that she was working at, which was one of my home clubs before, and um, was targeted because she was a stripper and her attacker said, oh, get her bag. She's a stripper. And oh, yeah. attacked her oh and my god. yeah and then i screenshotted it and posted it on my twitter it went crazy and then um the post was taken down and there's uproar in our in our dancer group chat and the club managers just kind of swept it under the rug and refuted any anything like that so i'm not really sure like where that even ended at but it was really shocking to me like do people not care about our safety at all? And mm-hmm. then people on Twitter were like, don't you have bouncers that walk you to your car? Yeah. and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that whole situation. And, like, it was just awful. And, and this is another thing to bring up, too, because it's, like, again, like, our, our safety is not guaranteed there. It's not covered. Yeah. You know? No.
1: And I think there's sometimes a lot of pressure to make the job seems very like glitz and glam and that's safe because it's more palatable to people oh, yeah. that way right but the reality is it, it is it's a it's a job in the night like all waitresses are at harm's way like when you're coming home late at night female comedians like you are working in an atmosphere around drunk people yeah. and mm-hmm. and you're added the added bonus of the fact that you're considered a stripper and that you have cash on you yeah um, and that you know your body is seen as more disposable so yeah this it is a big concern to me um and it's i think it's particularly scary knowing that there are um there are no repercussions unless you as a dancer go through the pressure like all of the hassle of suing like that's the only time Mm -hmm. that they're going to be held accountable
0: Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that topic. So like lawsuits and and suing, like I know that there have been some cases in the States where people have won. And again, mentioning and shout out to my friend Onyx, who's actually fighting um, and has a legal battle going on with some of the clubs here in Canada. Like that doesn't like, sure you can win, but like that doesn't go without a huge risk, you know, like loss of your job and your career, your reputation is on the line possibly outing yourselves, being blacklisted, like the list goes on and on. Like, do you want to speak a little bit about that whole situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been tons of federal and state lawsuits put together by dancers and sometimes like even the government themselves have investigated. And in the majority of cases, I think in all, maybe, but three, they have always ruled in the dancer's favor and mm. said that you are classified as an employee, you are entitled to wages. Um, and a lot of times the settlement can be quite high. Yeah, um, Which is great. Like the dancer is absolutely entitled to all those wages. They, um, But again, the risk is like you're most likely not, not going to be able to ever work. Yeah, but You might get blacklisted. And if you work for a chain, like maybe deja vu, that maybe mm-hmm. you may be never to work for deja vu ever again. Um, you're going to out yourself. And also, I mean, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Like these clubs have realized that it's better to pay out a lawsuit than to actually, it's cheaper in the end to pay a lawsuit than to actually classify workers.
0: Really? Um, That is shocking to me. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Like I feel like, as you mentioned, like, there, there hasn't, I mean, and I don't know, because I'm not american but, like, I just, I'm just curious to see, like, what, um, if there has been any changes after those lawsuits have been filed, and have been won, and ha- those cases have been closed. Like, what has happened after that? Or is it just, like, business as, as usual?
1: I think it's the business as usual. Like, I think oh, the contracts no. have gotten stricter, Oh. and kind of, like, what, we were talking about before with choice is that they're they sort of peddle like management will peddle this idea that like you have a choice you can choose to be an independent contractor or an employee and um sometimes the contracts i have like when you go into the signing like when you go into the after you get hired and you go sign all the paperwork they sort of outline this like choice oh like if if you're a contractor you can keep all majority of your profits Mm -hmm. and if you are an employee, you can't keep any profits. Like, they make it kind of very extreme. And the reality of this is like, it's not, it would never hold up in court. <laughs> right. Because you don't choose whether to be an independent contractor. No. They choose how much control they exert over you. Yeah. And that's, it's, they're, they're like,
0: that's really interesting. Like, yeah. I feel like that's like almost like dangling a carrot in front of someone, but like, it, there's no, um, it's not really backed up because, like as you mentioned, like you can't really give that choice to somebody, and they're kind of like um, making it sound much better than it actually is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I feel like that's they're making that they're trying to kind of frame it to you as like it's your choice and giving you that like not fantasy, but like the benefit of the doubt kind of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. and. It- Spreads this like misinformation that somehow like mm-hmm. it's like we can choose whether to be independent contractor or not and again like if you are going to the same place to regularly work if you have to be on stage at a certain time like there this isn't there's no doubt you <laughs> yeah. are an employee yeah um but the question is kind of whether or not it's worth it to yeah. to do something about it and like what are the drawbacks and situations like that
0: totally and I think that is a question that a lot of people ask when when facing these sorts of situations which is like pretty commonplace you know like the question is is it really worth it is it really worth fighting for losing my job you know not being able to possibly ever work again um, and having my reputation like smeared and I feel like most of the times people will say no. And it's it's a scary thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is. I can't imagine what it would be like to go through with a lawsuit. Like, to, you know, to, I mean, I guess it's in the end, if you're going to get all those wages back, it might be worth it. Especially mm-hmm. if you're at the end of your career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: the stress of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess, like, really sort of, it takes it away from sort of individual. And it's like, are, should we, as, like, strippers collectively, be trying to fight against misclassification as, like, Mm. um, routinely? And, like, this is something that I've thought about extensively. And I I really don't actually have firm answers because I think it's really nuanced and there's lots of up and downs to it.
0: Totally. And I feel like, I mean, some of the conversations that I've had, people I know that some people are really against it Mm -hmm. people still want to stay as independent contracting and like why do you think there is so much backlash with that I
1: think there are legitimate concerns um, against like fighting against misclassification Um, and like leaving the system kind of I would just say, like, the way that they're running the business is illegal, so I would just say, like, it's illegitimate, like, to leave this situation as is, yeah. with us being misclassified as independent contractors and not getting, having any works work rights, things like that, but one of the big concerns that I have is, like, what will happen to undocumented workers, like, right. as the system is now, because we're not on the books, meaning that a lot of clubs do hire undocumented workers. Yeah. So like, will that mean that all undocumented workers can't work in clubs or will that create a bigger divide between like um, only really, really like shady clubs that are run by like organized criminals will allow it because they pay Mm. off the police, you know? Right. So like, it's like, what will happen to people who don't have, who cannot legally be on the books? Yeah. That is a concern.
0: That's a huge concern. And like, it's a question that, keeps coming up in my interviews too like what about the undocumented workers or people that are not in like in the Canadian context like not Canadian citizens and you know who are not legally entitled to work like what happens with them and that's like a complete erasure of those people and that makes up like quite a bit of people as well so I feel like that's a really really great point to make too is just like it's a huge question mark when it comes to that because it leaves them out of the equation completely.
1: Yeah, and I mean, sex work is survival work and it's often yeah. like a safety net. And so, you know, it can be a really, one of the most lucrative jobs an undocumented person can have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what are your choices? Like, Dang. as an undocumented worker, like dishwashing, you know, these are not high-paying jobs or you can yeah. strip, which yeah. is more high-paying.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, and because, like, um, I think you mentioned it in one of the articles that you you wrote, too, that stripping is such an accessible job Mm -hmm. for many people. Um, And you mentioned it earlier today, too. Like, you know, it's an accessible job for, you know, people that have disabilities or people that have other, you know, some, like, other – they can't work in an office and whatnot. So like, what about those people as well? Cause that makes up a lot of people in the sex industry and especially within the stripping industry, like, you know, it doesn't really, really require much experience. It's pretty much entry level.
1: Yeah. And I mean, especially when we're talking about people who might struggle with organization and which I feel like many, many sex workers do, particularly strippers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's important to note that, like, management does exert control over us to be considered employees, but they don't exert as much control as, say, an Amazon worker, or, Mm -hmm. like, a Walmart employee whose every move is scrutinized, so, like, for example, you know, we go in, I pay my house fee, so I'm now negative 50 bucks, but let's say the week before, I made a thousand, so I'm not really that concerned, and today, you know what, I'm not feeling it at all, and I just want to, like, Get drunk at the bar and maybe chat with, like, one customer.
0: Yeah. And then
1: that's all I want to do for the night. Yeah. No one is going to say anything. No one cares. Like, they have made their money off you already. Yeah. So, like, they're not going to talk. They're not going to – I don't know, perhaps for you, but never in my six years of dancing has everyone been like, you need to go work, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Unless you have to get on stage, that's it. But, um, so, like, this is kind of – when we're talking about working, and this is a bit of a freedom of love, this movement of it's a luxury, and it's what mm. attracts a lot of people to the industry. And you know, not all cl- a lot of clubs do mandate a schedule, but there are also some that don't. Yeah. And um, this freedom to come and go that some clubs offer is, you know, a really it's a really great selling point for a lot of people who have mental illness, who have disabilities, and so I think there is this fear that if we become employees, that management will have, will exert even more control. Right. They will make, you know, if you're not working, then like if you're not talking to customers, if you're not regularly working, like why are we paying you a wage? Right. If yeah. you're not making money that week because you're having a bit rot will you get fired? Like, right. um, and will all clubs mandate a schedule? And so, yeah, I think there is this sort of fear, um, that they will exert even more control, mm-hmm. which is it's complicated, because some clubs do exert excessive control, like yeah. they make you keep a schedule, but it, it varies, if that makes sense.
0: It totally makes sense. And like, yeah, I I completely hear you. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it depends on like where you work and stuff, too. But like, yeah, I mean, I definitely experienced that before, too. Like, there's some days where I'm just like, I'm feeling really antisocial at work. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just going to sit and read my book in the dance or change room <laughs> and just chill. And like, you know, I'm okay with like, you know, just doing my stage shows and that's it. And then there are mm-hmm. other days where I feel like, oh, okay, I really need to hustle. I need to make some money tonight. And I have the agency and the luxury to do that. And yeah, I think that all the points that you mentioned here are a really legitimate concern for people because, you know, there are days where like, as I mentioned, like you would want to work harder. Another other days that you're not feeling it and you want to slack off and that's totally okay. And it's, it's nice to have that agency. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do. It offers
1: a lot of control over your time. Yes. That you don't get in other jobs. And yeah. I think it. there is a fear um, that if we do do employment status, that that will be taken. If we do, actually mm. become a legitimate run business that that will be taken away. And I want to make it clear that like the clubs do not they can keep business as is. They can allow they can still treat their workers like let them have the freedom and still pay them a wage.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like there's nothing in the books, like there's nothing in law that says you are an employee, you must work all the time. Yeah. Um but it's like we're we're thinking like realistically here and like what how will they treat us if they're paying us a wage?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really, really true. And I don't know, like, do you have quotas in, in the States at all? Like for how many dances you have to sell per night or, or does that vary on the club? No, nothing like that. Yeah. We don't No, We don't have that here in BC, but I know I think in Alberta, which is the province next door, I think they might have, or I've heard of instances where like clubs expect you to sell like, Oh, you have to sell like X amount of dances per night.
1: And did they pay, are they paid a wage or like? No.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, I that's, know. It, that's ridiculous. That sucked, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of control is so excessive. It's like, it's just beyond like the fact you need a wage to be, yeah. con- it's it, right. It's so absurd. <laughs> it's such a violation for them to expect you to, for them to control your movements that much and then not give you any benefits.
0: Absolutely. Because at, at that point, like that to me looks like exploitation.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah that is pure. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone from Alberta wants to come on just on the show to speak about that, I mean, like, <laughs> that specifically, yeah. would I would be really interested in talking about that. But, I mean. Uh,
1: I'd be having my friends come in and buy dances for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Like, listen, I got to sell five dances. Like, come on. Come on down. Like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> just like, it puts so much, like, for me, like, that would just put so much pressure onto the dancers and um, I don't really operate that well when there's a ton of pressure on me. And like, that would really make my anxiety go through the roof. But, you know, some people really thrive on that too. So, you know, maybe that's motivation for them, but then like, for me, I don't think I would ever do really well in a club that, that operates like that.
1: No, I don't think so either. And also like, it just, it would make me, that kind of pressure would make me sort of not trust my gut and instincts and like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't like if you but there's only like you have to meet your quota and there's only three men left in the club and you have to have three more dances like yeah. that doesn't give you a lot of choice to walk away. And not everyone no. is right for you. And, yeah. you know, some people are dangerous and like one of the beautiful things I find about dancing is the ability to say like, no, you're not for me. yeah know, yeah. yeah,
0: totally. I don't want to deal with you yeah. goodbye go away <laughs> <laughs> I, hear you. I totally hear you and like you know oftentimes there are like way more girls than guys at the club sometimes yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay well like this is like literally this logistically will not work <laughs> what
1: are we are gonna like squid game it out like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean, and that is also like this other concern, too, is that like, which is, again, it's another pros and cons thing is like, if they put people on wage, they're not going to sort of flood the floor. And I guess people who have never been in a club here. Um, because dancers pay a house fee, the, the management is like, whatever, come on in, we'll just yeah. like put 50 dances on the floor. And there's like four customers, and you can duke it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, the sort of plus pro of this is that it kind of just means that, like, a lot of times anyone can get hired. It means, like, I could just, like, walk in and one mm-hmm. if I'm, like, on vacation and I want to, like, just work one night. Yeah. You know, I could just maybe just, like, walk into the club and it's not a lot of, um, it's, it's, that's a really accessible form of cash. Mm-hmm. And I also think, too, about, like, um, how necessary that like quick cash is for people. Like, so like totally. if you're trying to leave an abusive relationship and you don't want your name on a payroll, like yeah. you don't want, cause you don't want whoever you're leaving to find out that you're doing this. Right. Um, you want the, like under the table cash, you want it quick. You don't want to sign any paperwork.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, we all sign paperwork, but I mean, you don't want to get like anything legitimate that the government knows that you're doing this. Exactly. Um, Yeah, especially if you have a custody situations like this, you
0: know. Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah. You really have, like, every situation. Like, I didn't even think about those type of situations, too, and, like, how that would relate to this type of work and, like, why that would be a legitimate concern. But that's absolutely true. And, like, that that can ring true for so many people as well. Yeah, it's
1: because, like, we're – because it attracts marginalized people, it isn't just as simple as like we're being exploited, because we are, mm-hmm. and we need to fight for rights. It's like we have to think, and like, what are the the consequences of becoming more legitimate when there is so much stigma still left against sex workers? You know,
0: so much stigma, so 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 much stigma for sure, and like that doesn't seem to be going anywhere unfortunately like I mean that's why I do this show and that's why this show is running for four seasons now because it's just not ending (laughs) like I laugh about it like we both laugh about it but it's like so true unfortunately so yeah that's a really really great point that you make there too Um, I forgot to mention when we were talking about lawsuits um, I know there has been um, successful lawsuits um, in California Uh, that people have won. Um, And also, like, with the employee status Mm
1: -hmm. being
0: granted in strip clubs, and I think you mentioned California and Massachusetts, like, what does that look like if you know, like, what what do those realities look like nowadays? What is the landscape?
1: Yeah, so California and Massachusetts have very strict, have instituted very strict, like, policies on who can be considered a contractor. And what Mm -hmm. they... um, how they changed it from other states was that like, if if you're an integral part of the business, you cannot be considered um, a contractor. Meaning, like, because strip clubs is about stripping, mm-hmm. and like that's the main part of the business. Like, uh, a, the main part of the business cannot be um, a that cannot be a contractor. So, like, a contractor could only be someone who's like this random side job that you need done once. Like, mm-hmm. if Or, like, again, in the strip club situation, it would be, like, the burlesque performer who comes, like, once a year. That's the contractor only. But everyone else that's an integral part of the business must be an employee. And these are some of, like, Massachusetts and California have some of the strictest employment laws. Um, Yeah. Which, again, is is a great win for labor rights. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of, like, I spoke to one dancer... Who works in San Francisco to Deja Vu Corporation? Mm-hmm. Um, she now gets paid fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. but the club has went from taking twenty five percent of the money earned from dances to sixty percent. What and six zero? Yeah, six zero.
0: Holy shit!
1: Um, and there is this kind of fear that um, that if she like doesn't earn enough, that she'll get fired. Um, mm-hmm. it's so it has cut into her income drastically right also I want to make it clear too especially now with COVID mm-hmm. if she gets long COVID and um, she or the club shuts down for a second lockdown she can now apply for unemployment rights
0: right and benefits
1: like so I know um, in the U.S. part of our first package did include gig economy workers so like I and many other dances did even though we were never on the books, we were um, eligible for mm-hmm. unemployment benefits, mm-hmm. but there's most likely no guarantee that will ever happen again. Mm-hmm. So she's making less money again, but what happens if she gets COVID and can never come back to work or the club shuts down, she will have benefits. So she does have a safety net yeah. and like, there is that, um, whether or not that's a good thing or not really just depends on the dancer, like, yeah. Because how you feel about that, some people might just love the fact that you're getting fifteen dollars an hour no matter what, and other people like really need that extra money, yeah. And they don't they don't care about unemployment rates because they just need that extra money, yeah. in, in their bank at the moment, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it just depends on how you well one how you view money and like how you view these situations because like for me I like to have some kind of stability there and I like would like to see like some kind of stable paycheck coming in that's why I have and that's why like I have a vanilla job because Mm -hmm. like to me that is a security blanket because COVID fucked everything and then I had like nothing I mean luckily in Canada part of our um, I guess like our equivalent of the package was like this program called SERP where we were able to get like $2,000 a month. Uh Um, and that was okay. Like I was able to survive on that. And like, but that's, that scared the shit out of me of like every, I lost everything. Like (laughs) even like my vanilla jobs, I lost my vanilla jobs too. And like, I I never really want to go into that level of fear of like, okay, um, like where am I going to get money again? So like, to me, that is for me, a higher priority than having a huge lump sum of money that I'll have to like budget out and stuff so I think it just depends on how you look at that and what's important to you and as you mentioned some people just don't care about benefits yeah you know?
1: and that's a really really good point too about like how it is that you view money and but also i do think that um like covid has changed a lot of us and a lot of people have realized that like they do need this security blanket and that like labor rights are really important because like anything can happen at any point and like Mm -hmm. your job is not guaranteed but you still have to like pay bills and
0: yeah um, survive yeah live
1: um but like again it's like whether or not this is actually making conditions better because, like, that is like, especially when we're talking today about D seventeen, and like, that is mm-hmm. when I researched this. Like, the primary concern to me was just like neglect and, um, you know, like just not taking care of dancers, and if they're getting sick, like, and dancers dying on the job, and so yeah, um, like, does this translate into? Like, actually, safer work conditions. And you know, from what we talked, like a few girls I talked to, a few women, excuse me, I've talked to in Massachusetts, um, you know, they said that not much has changed. And, um, you know, that I'm, in theory, they are entitled to workers' comp, but mm-hmm. uh, if something were to happen on the job, like, but again, there is this other part of, stripper labor rights that does have to do with sex work discrimination and it's Mm -hmm. the concept of like is it even safe to like apply for workers comp like is it safe to do any of these things because what happens if like the government gets a whiff that dancers are being mistreated in the club does that mean that they like are justified in a raid like do, do we want the government involved in our business at all considering that You know stripping strip clubs does cradle the law i mean it's technically legal but like a lot of what goes on in lap dance rooms isn't illegal i mean isn't legal and you know that's it's a really fuzzy line and it's like can we what happens if there's too many complaints like if there's too many complaints of mistreatment or labor violations does that mean that the council the city council can then justify that to shut down the club
0: Right. Wow. So yeah, this is more so on like a bigger picture level.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I never even thought about that too. Like you, you've literally covered all the bases on this topic. Um. Yeah. I never even thought about that part about that. That can be a huge concern too. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's like this question of whether like, are we there yet? Like, should we, can we be fighting for labor rights when, sex work is decriminalized like mm-hmm. i mean sex work is criminalized and i know yeah. everyone like again stripping is technically legal but like it's kind of not because s- police can still arrest dancers for like saying like for entrapping them in the club. right i don't know if that happens in canada as much but it does yeah. happen here yeah they can like trick you into getting arrested
0: that's scary that is really really scary and yeah, that's that's a huge thing. And like I mean you're right to bring that up too. And those dancers that you talk to in Massachusetts have every right to be concerned about this as well. So it's not all it's not all sunshine and rainbows on on that side of the coin as well. So that's really sad. Like Yeah, I think have you ever had
1: a raid or been part of a raid?
0: No. No, and like that just shows the privilege maybe I have here, or my own experience mm-hmm. here. Like I've, and correct me if I'm wrong. I've just personally never heard of any raids happening in Canada or like where I am at. But mm-hmm. for anyone listening, please chime in if this has happened to you. Like I'd love to hear from you. But I've never experienced anything like that before. So, have you? Have you? Have you personally experienced that?
1: Um, I have not had a raid personally but when I was in New Orleans in 2018 I the club that I worked at was raided the day I took off so
0: oh right yeah I remember uh, reading about that
1: yeah when I was interviewing people on this for this like topic um, a lot of the dancers had said that they had been part of maybe like multiple raids Um, and that it like creates this sort of um, no win situation where like they fear that they feel like they can't ever speak out against mm-hmm. any labor rights and labor violations because they feel that like, um, the club, the, like the city itself or the government will just come in and take away their livelihood.
0: Yeah. And they're, or
1: you put I'm them in a situation that. that's really harmful because like a raid by, by legality, the cops can come in and, um, like take all your money because, yeah. They can they so that's happened to one woman that I spoke to. Like they um, lined them all up and they took all their cash and left.
0: What the fuck? Oh, no, that's crazy I, world I they know. live in, doesn't it? Yeah, and that, like for me, that's just so hard to to even imagine. And like maybe that's our privilege here, living in Canada. But like Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine going. And you said some dancers had gone through multiple raids. Like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is so scary.
1: Yeah, and it's like when you're operating in that kind of like fear of like this like basic, your like your bodily autonomy, like from mm-hmm. like the police, like are like is labor rights even a concern? No, that you
0: know? that would be the last thing on your mind. Yeah, you wouldn't even it, be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, so I mean, like maybe. And as you mentioned too, with timing, is it the right time to be fighting for labor rights right now? Should we wait till this becomes decriminalized? Is it ever going to become decriminalized? That's a whole other topic. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean- yeah. I mean, is
1: it safe with the current like trafficking hysteria? You know, like mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I, I think, I do think, I think we should absolutely be working towards improving better conditions Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's never like don't fight for labor rights I think shippers deserve rights like and again there are consequences of not having it like it's on safe conditions Um, Mm -hmm. but I think just think that there are also other strategies as well it just doesn't also need to be fought out like in um, through the department of labor
0: right definitely did you want to elaborate on like other strategies that that we can do as well yeah I mean one of the more
1: interesting things that I've heard like when I was talking to dancers was that like um, at least here in, in the states it's really difficult to get um, a loan for like a business loan for mm-hmm. a strip club mm-hmm. okay so that leaves the only people who can um, like own a strip club are people who can afford, afford to pay it. cash for a business upfront. front so right. organized criminals and yes. corporations who, like, are only looking out for their bottom line. So that means that, like, say me and you don't want to dance anymore. We want to create a club. And unless we have, like, $500,000 cash, we're not going to be able to do that.
0: Right. It's just not attainable.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, one of the things that she mentioned was that, like, if that were to change, it would mean that, like, more people who might be more interested in actually creating a safe work environment could actually get a club
0: you Mm -hmm. know and it wouldn't be
1: left to just corporations and organized criminals
0: right yeah that's yeah no that makes sense that makes sense for sure very cool. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been like a really informative and eye-opening episode as usual. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's my only expectation for me is like you always bring so much to the table and so much to this conversation that again, that we don't often speak about. And I know I reported on this episode, like in season two, but the fact that we're still talking about it now, 50, 45 episodes later
1: okay. is
0: shows me as you mentioned like nothing has really changed and there hasn't been much progress or movement um in in this forefront so like that makes me really disappointed and sad but like I mean it's it's split on so many different levels like for me personally I feel like like employee status would be better in my situation because i like to have a security blanket i like to have benefits and to have that kind of peace of mind but then there's other people on the other side that um that maybe that's of less importance or less significance so it i think we you were really able to bring up both sides of the equation here and i was i loved i loved chatting with you on this reese so yeah so good. it is a really
1: nuanced combo and thank you again so much for allowing me to elaborate
0: oh anytime i mean <laughs> it's always a pleasure having you on and if you haven't um read any of reese's work um it's just amazing really really eye-opening um and very very informative so thank you but before i let you go where can the world find you
1: So you can find me on Twitter. I'm just Reese Piper. Um, And yeah, there you can find my work. I have a website on there. And I'm also in the process of a memoir writing about autism and stripping. So yeah,
0: what is the timeline for that? Do you have a timeline or is it just like, do we, when can we expect that?
1: I think probably within a year. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: hopefully. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, writing is a bit of a process too. So it's hard to put a timeline on things, but like <laughs> yeah. I'm excitedly and anxiously awaiting that and we'll have to bring you onto the show when that comes out again. So thank you, thank you.
1: And thank you again.
0: You're so welcome. And everyone else listening, it's new episodes every single Sunday. I really hope by this time I will have an episode for next week because after this, I mean, I will be on vacation. I should hopefully be coming back into Canada on the day that this is released so um thank you so much for listening and also for all of your support over the past three seasons and I, I cannot believe i'm going into season four already which is just i'm flabbergasted so thank you for bringing amazing topics and everyone who's a recommended guests or pitched ideas um for episodes like thank you thank you it is going to be new episodes every single sunday as usual at midnight standard time don't forget to like rate share review and subscribe and we'll catch everyone in for another episode next week thanks so much Reese thank you and you have a good holiday <laughs> thank you bye okay and-